Charles Dickens crossed the Atlantic twice, in 1842 and 1867. The first, a January crossing, on the Cunard paddle steamer Britannia, from Liverpool via Halifax to Boston, and the second on the Cunard Cuba, again arriving in Boston. Martin Chuzzlewit, a novel written in the aftermath of the first, and published in full in 1844, offers a vivid account of an Atlantic storm, one that presents the vulnerability of a transatlantic crossing. Over the countless miles of angry space roll the long, heaving billows. All is but a boiling heap of rushing water, a spouting up of foam that whitens the black night. The wild cry goes forth upon the storm, A ship! Onward she comes, in gallant combat with the elements, her tall masts trembling, and her timbers starting on the strain. Onward she comes, now high upon the curling billows, now low down in the hollows of the sea, as hiding for the moment from its fury. And every storm voice in the air and water cries more loudly yet, A ship! Still she comes striving on, and at her boldness and the spreading cry, the angry waves rise up above each other's hoary heads to look, and round about the vessel, far as the mariners on the decks can pierce into the gloom, they press upon her, forcing each other down and starting up and rushing forward from afar in dreadful curiosity. High over her they break, and round her surge and roar, and giving place to others, moaningly depart, and dash themselves to fragments in their baffled anger. Still she comes onward bravely, and though the eager multitude crowd thick and fast upon her all the night, and dawn of day discovers the untiring train, yet bearing down upon the ship in an eternity of troubled water, onward she comes, with dim lights burning in her hull, and people there, asleep, as if no deadly element were peering in at every seam and chink, and no drowned seaman's grave, with but a plank to cover it, were yawning in the unfavourable depths below. The Atlantic is the world ocean. It is not the largest, that is the Pacific, but the Pacific was singularly little crossed in its entirety until the late eighteenth century, and only really became a unit with the opening up of China and Japan in the late 19th century. The Atlantic, the world's second largest body of water, making up about a quarter of the Earth's water surface, is more compact, especially east-west, than the Pacific. Moreover, the Atlantic, unlike the Pacific or the Indian Oceans, has had a close linkage from east to west since the end of the 15th century. This provides a way to look at one of the major means and regions of global history, and to do so in a period that coexists with that history. For the opening of the Atlantic world was one of the aspects, almost conditions, of modernity. The Atlantic was the centre of the so-called Age of Discovery, marking the emergence of Western European states to global significance and leading, eventually, to Western domination. But this stage was long set, and it is to that which we must turn first. In a process understood from the early 20th century, 
and mapped from mid-century, the initial opening up of the Atlantic was a consequence of the lengthy breaking up of a supercontinent, Pangaea, about 200 million years ago, and the consequent moving apart of its new sections through continental drift. Europe and Africa, the old world, shifted away from the Americas, the new world, although these constituent halves did not move apart at the same pace. As the European and American plates moved apart to create what is a relatively recent ocean, new seafloor was produced, and in turn this helped drive the plates further apart. In a reminder of the continuing role of the geological narrative, this continues to be the case by about three centimetres a year, so that the ocean is getting larger at the expense of the human-occupied landmass, even as, in a totally separate process, it is becoming more polluted by man.